Welcome to the Roasters Podcast. My name is Cassian Nozel, and this podcast is about all things coffee from the Roasters perspective. In this episode, we continue to talk about profiling. Part two. So, part two of the profiling. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that first. But I'm just going to quickly recap what we've covered so far. So we had step one, establishing goal of the roast. Thinking about what a successful profile would achieve. Step two, looking at the green coffee data, trying to understand your raw product. Step three using your reference data, and that could be any of your profiles, your existing roasting knowledge, your style, philosophy, and applying all of that together. So then, in step four, plan the roast and roast in your head. Think about all the gas and airflow changes, your beginning, your end of the roast. Think about how the coffee would behave, what would happen And that brings us to the next step, to step five. You can put the coffee into the roaster and turn it brown. So we're going to execute the plan. And when I mean execute, I don't mean trying to follow what you wrote down or what you thought about in the previous stage. Exactly. If you see that the coffee needs way more energy than you are planning to apply, do it. If you say that your coffee is crashing, well, there's often not much you can do about this, but maybe you can already plan for the second roast. Be flexible. Nothing in roasting is set in stone, and especially if you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, it's about trying to be as accurate as possible. But you're never going to be 100% able to predict everything that happens. And that's part of the charm. Coffee is a little bit unpredictable. If you decide that one roast is perfectly enough for you to achieve your goal, to get the coffee the way you want to, you can absolutely do this. If you think the coffee needs a few more tries, maybe it's a special release that you really want to work on, do it. But it's also really important to think about where is going to be that point of diminishing returns? And also, financially, you know, roasting is a business. So you need to think about what is going to be your return on investment in putting in multiple batches through a roaster. If that's a really expensive coffee, you better figure out in your head as much as possible before you commit to turning it brown. It has happened to me that I had literally just one rose of the coffee and I needed to do it as good as possible. And yes, it was not perfect, but it was really good. And I think especially with those coffees, where you don't have that much of a chance to experiment, you don't get to roast 
dozens, if not hundreds of batches through the development and then through the production, you really need to think ahead. You need to plan for what's going to happen. But obviously, if things go wrong, don't be afraid to redo what you're trying to do. Make sure everything else is obviously as consistent as possible so you're preheating your warming up protocol and what you do in between the batches to make sure you're always using the same reference points for your charge temperature and for your end temperature. Because if you're if the thermal energy of your roasting system changes from batch to batch and you cannot get it back to the consistent point, then it's really difficult to plan and execute correctly what you've planned for. But yeah, typically at this stage, most of the work is being done and it's really about monitoring the roast and being very careful about what you're doing. Particularly in profiling, I'm happy to do way more gas adjustments than I would normally do. You know, trying to, instead of making a one dramatic change to three or even four smaller changes, because I'm not sure how much I need to taper off the gas as the coffee goes into the Maillard stage first time I roast it. I don't know. I have an idea. Maybe it's 40%, maybe it's 60%. I don't know. So maybe I'll try 50% and if that was too much, quickly turn it back on again, which is not perfect. But I'd rather do that than waste and underdevelop the coffee. And if you're doing not enough, then it's easy to make another adjustment. And then over time, especially in the production, you can simplify things once you know the coffee and it becomes predictable to you. But at the very first or second or even third time, be careful. And pay a lot of attention to your markers. What I mean by markers. Markers is a certain point within the roast where whether that would be your bean ROR or even better exhaust or your environment temperature inside of the drum ROR. And there are a few moments within the roast where these ROR's shift a lot, particularly around color change. And then before the first crack and then after the first crack, it's, there's a lot happening there. And if you have roasted a lot on a certain roasting system, you know what typically happens for a certain heat application pattern. You know what typically happens with particular coffee within a particular roasting style. So then if you see that something particular is happening to those markers at those specific stages of the roast, it tells you the exact timing of your reactions. Or even better, you can anticipate them sometimes. And rather than being reactionary, be proactive about it. Now, you can 
you cannot always do this with, with brand new coffee you've never roasted before. But being aware of what are those little giveaways about what's going to happen is really, really important. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, and if you happen to have particularly your exhaust ROR, go and look through your profiles, your previous roasts, and have a look about what's happening at certain stages of the roast. And if you see certain pattern that is being repeated on almost every single roast that you have, that's a, that's a good giveaway. It, it might be one of your markers. And then try to figure out whether that's because something happens to the coffee or because you make a dramatic change in your airflow or in your gas. And this is priceless data. This is something that's going to be often very specific to your roasting system, depending on what machine you have, what pressure it's, it's set to, how much power you have in the BTU output of your burner, your probe placement, thickness of those probes, and then even down to the tracking software. Is it Artisan? Is it Cropster? Is it something else? What are your ROR intervals, 15 or 30 seconds? I wouldn't use any more than 30 seconds, to be honest. Just a thought, you want to be it as reactive as possible. But if you find those markers, and if over time you gain confidence using them, those will be perfect giveaways for how to react when you roast the coffee for the very first time. Or maybe you have only one go at the coffee. As I said, it can be really priceless and save you not only just trouble and time with profiling those coffees, but often real money. So learning what are your markers is definitely very valuable investment. Another thing besides your markers to look at are any visual signs. Pay attention to what happens around color change. Pay attention to what happens about your first crack. Beside your markers, you can also look at visual signs. So again, pull up the trier and see if you have any tipping happening. Typically, you're not going to see that until a very late drying beginning of yellowing phase. But this is a price of information. It tells you that there was too much energy going into the coffee. If you see scorching, the same thing. It's very valuable information. Have a look at your turnaround or turning point. Is that lower than you expected? Higher than you expected? What about your ROR around first crack? Is it where you expected it to be? Did you manage to hit your first crack at the time you're aiming for? Did it crash? Did you have a flick? And that very first roast often tells you about many pitfalls that this coffee can have when it comes to roasting it. It's an invaluable information for your next roast. But obviously, if you are pretty sure that you got on the perfect profile, 
And just frosting the coffee differently is not going to give you much different results. You don't need to waste any more coffee. Sometimes when it's good enough, it's just good enough. And sometimes better is the enemy of the good. And next, after you've roasted the coffee, step six, evaluation. So obviously you want to cap the coffee, preferably more than one bowl and preferably blind. You want to make sure that there are no inconsistencies in terms of green coffee so that you are really evaluating the roast and how well your profile executes your goals and what you've planned to do. But also you want to remove any potential biases you might be having. And if you roasted the coffee yourself and you set up the capping and you know which profile is which cup, you will have some assumptions. You will have some biases about what to expect from that coffee. And also you'll be immediately categorizing things you'll be tasting into, oh yeah, that's probably because of that baking or scorching or tipping or anything that happened during the roast. Which is why capping blindly especially Profiling is very important because you want to know what's in the cup. And sometimes there might be some sort of defect on the curve, but it doesn't show as much in the cup. And depending on what is your goal of the rose, it might not be even important at all. So keep that in mind. Obviously, while you're capping, you don't look for any roasting defects that you can taste and underdevelopment, overdevelopment, baking. But also you want to really focus on is this roast achieving what you've set to do? And think not about just the overall development and how it would sit as a filter coffee or espresso or whatever you're going to use that coffee for. But also, are you hitting your flavor profile? Are you really getting the most out of this coffee? And it's worth to score your profiles against it. Besides tasting, I would definitely take color reading if that's available to you, both whole bean and ground. Again, I know for some people, these are not available options but do as much as you can. If that coffee is going to be roasted for espresso and it's very important for you to get it perfectly, wait a week if you can afford it and dial in the coffee as espresso. If that coffee ends up just as cold brew, capping and brewing your V60 is not going to translate very well into the result of, of that cold brew. If that's going to be used for bean to cup machines, you're also going to be looking for other things about how easily the machine can grind and extract the coffee, given its limitations. So obviously, your QC is going to extend into whatever the purpose of that coffee is going to be. And once you've collected your sensor evaluation data, 
your color data, your espresso or whatever other method you have of using that coffee. Put it all together and look at your profile. Is there a way to do better? Think about small things like maybe I don't necessarily need to make that coffee darker, but maybe slow it down a little bit. Or maybe try to extend the development time without going darker. Look at your phases. Maybe you need to spend a little bit more time in my arts. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe you want the coffee to be more soluble. And you would typically want to have a faster or a lighter roast to achieve that. But obviously, a developed roast. Maybe the coffee is not dark enough. And also think about the water that the coffee is going to be brewed with. If that coffee is going to be brewed with pretty hard tap water, unfiltered water, I would recommend you think about it and try that coffee with that water. And if you got perfect profile, you got a perfect rose that perfectly achieves every single goal that you have, I would still think about how consistent you can be with that. Is that profile very easy to replicate? Can you hand it over to your production roaster and be confident they're gonna execute it? Or do they need maybe a little bit of training, maybe you need to talk them through that profile a little bit more than usually? Maybe you need to make some less gas changes or less airflow changes. At this point, it's just finishing touches and polishing because most of your work is being done. But I wouldn't stop here. Yeah, I, would, I would really go that extra mile and try to make everybody's work a little bit easier. Try to make sure that everything is going to be as consistent as possible. And that is the process that never really stops. Your roast cap repeat doesn't end when you finish profiling. It's really a constant evaluation of what you're doing because the coffee changes over time. And if you don't keep your green coffee in isolated storage room that's climate controlled and it's the same temperature all year, it's going to be very different from summer to winter. Some roasting machines also get very affected by the environmental temperature. So yeah, the evaluation never stops. But that's going to be your ongoing QC and QA going forward. So just to recap, the steps we've gone through to profile a new coffee is first looking at the goal of the roast, the purpose, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be brewed, what it's going to taste like. Then your green coffee data, density, moisture, screen size, all information you can get about this coffee, everything that is relevant to you, or could be relevant. Your reference data, your experience, your roasting style, your approach, what you want to do with this coffee how you typically roast that particular coffee. Do you have any pre-existing profiles that you can use for coffee that you're roasting? Then plan the roast 
rose in your head. Try to visualize what's going to happen. Try to predict what is going to happen. Then put the coffee in the roaster, turn it brown, see how it goes. Pay attention to your critical events. Things like your turnaround, color change, first crack. But also, if you figure out what your markers are, use that. It's a very valuable information. And then, evaluation. And try to evaluate the coffee, not just through the capping, not just through the color, but also in how that coffee is actually going to be brewed, especially if it's more of a special application coffee, say for cold brew or using bean to cap. And that step is going to extend into your ongoing QC after that initial product development is finished. All right, folks, that's all for this two-part podcast. If you do have any questions, feel free to contact me on Instagram or through email. You can find that in the description of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one, and I'll catch you in the next one.